Think so? You're so handsome, my boy. I love you. Mommy, poop on my belly. You want mommy to blow on your belly? Okay, here we go. Welcome to a new episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. This is Doug. And I'm Jamie. And we have a very exciting episode for you today. Yes, we do. We have a doula on, Liz Sandos, and she is incredible. I really wish I had her for my home birth. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. And she's currently pregnant, so it's going to be nice to kind of get her perspective of where we are quarantining and with the COVID virus, plus being a doula, plus having the decision to either go with a home birth or be in a hospital. Yeah, I'm so excited to share this interview with you guys because she really enlightens us about what a doula even is and how it's different than being a midwife and why it's important and why you may or may not want one. So anyways, we're going to get to that. But first, of course, we're going to give a big shout out to our five-star reviewer of the week. That's right. And this one comes from Audrey's Mama. And before I read the five-star review, I want to say Thank you for all of your five-star reviews. We've had a couple, especially from the last couple episodes, and I really feel like you guys connected with Big Little Feelings and those women there, and they shared so many good tips, and we've had such good feedback. So look forward to chatting with them some more. Yeah, and thank you for giving us feedback, because that's how we know who you guys want to hear from more on the podcast. So thanks for that feedback. We love you guys. Yeah, and I know we learned a lot, but Audrey's mama says, Toddler's Tips loved this last episode on tips for interacting with your toddler. I feel like I'm constantly in a power struggle with my two, almost three-year-old, and I want her to feel good about our relationship just as much as I want to enjoy it too. I don't want to instill fear in her or see me as a mean mommy because I don't know how to appropriately react to her strong-willed spirit. LOL. This episode was enlightening and I am definitely subscribing to this podcast going forward. Thank you. Yeah, Audrey's mama. Seriously, I'm there with you, girl. Like Henley now, our daughter, she is two and a half. She'll be three in August. And sometimes I'm like, are we friends still? Like, do you love me still? Because you don't seem like you care about me. Like you just want to scream and yell and I'm like, what happened to my angel baby? I remember, oh my gosh. I know, she was so happy all yeah. the time. Yeah, like I think it was about a year old to like probably two really. She just was angelic and mm-hmm. she still She is. was our world and we were hers. Yeah, nothing could go wrong in the world. Everything was blissful. <laughs> and then like, I swear to goodness, the minute she hit two, maybe a little bit before, I was like, wait, you have an opinion and, <laughs> and you have personal feelings? Yeah, we shouldn't have taught you that many words. <laughs> You're not the only one, so... Yeah, I feel you, girl. Uh, Actually, Jane, aren't we doing questions or something like that? Yeah, so I have a surprise for Doug. I went to Target the other day and I bought two books that I found to be very, very fun. And I feel like not going to lie. sanitized, by the way, before. (laughs) Yes, although I've heard that you don't get COVID-19 necessarily from objects anymore. Like, I mean, we were sanitizing our boxes. Don't take our word on that. Yeah, don't take our word on it. This is what I heard from a news source. But I feel like if you look at other news station, they'll tell you something different. So (laughs) do your own research. But I feel confident based on the news that I listened to and the doctor that I heard from the news station, he said that... call it out. It was the Howard Stern show that, <laughs> that you were listening to. That is not a very good source, if yes, you ask me. it is. He has a world-renowned doctor on. Dr. Agus was yeah. on the Howard Stern show, and That's Doug right. always listened to Howard Stern, and I'm not necessarily... I'm not, not a fan of Howard right. Stern. This I, is his worst nightmare. He is a germaphobe, and he gives fist 
bumps. He doesn't shake hands. So this is like his nightmare. Okay. But anyways, regardless, Doug is obviously a super fan of Howard Stern and I'm not one to really necessarily care so much for him. It's not that I don't care for him. It's just that I always thought he was vulgar and that's actually not true at all. Like Doug has shown me that he's brought her to the dark side. Yeah. Howard Stern really isn't as vulgar as (laughs) I thought he was. Either way, he had this guy on that was kind of giving this guy. This guy is Dr. Agus. He's a certified board physician and he works closely with scientists on COVID. And the other good thing about Howard is that he's not going to just get paid to like share something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like some people you just don't even know like what their advice is. And I know that Howard Stern is the kind of guy that like he doesn't need your money. You know, I don't know. He's a really good interviewer. But anyways, I don't want to call out the Howard Stern show is where I got this information because I feel like I wouldn't even trust that source. But knowing what I do know now about Howard Stern, I do trust the source and I trust this Dr. Agus. So he said it's really unlikely that you're going to be able to pick up COVID-19 from a physical object. Like the science has actually proven that now. They didn't know at first. So they said, yes, you know, do sanitize everything before you touch it. But now he's saying... Oh, it's very unlikely that you're going to pick it up. Honestly, it was a great interview. If you guys can listen to the Howard Stern show with Dr. Agason regarding COVID-19. I mean, this is why I trust it so well, because Howard wasn't like just blindly listening to this doctor like, oh, yes, whatever you say is the truth and nothing but the truth. He like really hit him with some hard questions like, okay, so what if I go to a restaurant? You're telling me right now that if I go to a restaurant and sit down and the waitress coughs on her hand and she has COVID-19 and then she picks up that cup and then she delivers it to my table and then I go pick it up. You're telling me I'm not going to get COVID-19. And Dr. Agus was like, no, you wouldn't. It's very unlikely because you have to be exposed to that certain amount. And so unless they're like literally coughing on your face or talking mm-hmm. to you, talking within like normal distance, not six feet apart, then it's very, very unlikely that you'll catch COVID-19 yourself. And so it really helped me kind of like become a bit more Just comfortable. some of the anxiety. Yeah. Like we might go to an outside restaurant and enjoy a dinner at a restaurant. I'm not sure yet if I'm comfortable with that. But yeah, because we need a date. Oh my gosh. We need a date so bad. And so bad. Yeah. And obviously because I was pregnant, I was really, really just overly anxious of COVID-19 when I was pregnant. And I knew the baby was fine inside my belly because I did enough research to realize that the baby's fine in the womb. It's just like when they come out. Like, who knows what will happen to an infant? And they were saying that there was a lot of inflammation happening with children. And so I was almost neurotic. And I've never, ever been this way about germs or anything of that nature. But COVID-19 is killing people. And whether you want to admit it, like it, whatever, it's just the cold, hard facts. And so, you know, you turn the news on and you hear the cases go up. And I just was like, I'm not even willing to risk my newborn, like not even a little bit. But so anyways, I heard this interview with Dr. Agus on the Howard Stern show and like unlikely source, if I might say so myself. So of course, do your own research and make sure you find a source that you trust. But I trust this. Doug has turned me into a Howard Stern fan, I guess. You're welcome. (laughs) So anyways, at Target and picking up these books, I'm just trying to add like a little fun into my life because, you know, at my six-week postpartum checkup, the doctor, she was actually an NP and she said to me, you know, that I ranked for postpartum depression and I'm well aware about the tool that's used and I'm well aware that I probably do have postpartum depression. I'm like fighting it every day. What tool? So there's like this survey or questionnaire, I should say, and they hand it out to you at your six-week postpartum check. And honestly, we even ask when we're admitting patients into the labor and delivery unit, we ask very similar questions because obviously the hormones, they just run rampant when you're pregnant or postpartum. But anyways, it's just like this questionnaire that asks things like, 
something as much as like, do you think about hurting yourself or others? And that's like a cold, hard no. I'm not like thinking about killing myself or anything of that nature, but there's different realms of depression. And maybe that's like the worst case scenario, but then there's like the everyday living with it. I'm like, I cannot get out of bed. It's good that they check for those things though, you know? Yeah. But the sad part is, and this is why I'm excited to have Liz Sandoz on, who's a doula, because quite frankly, I've been suffering from this postpartum depression right from the gate. You know, like I had Hendrix. I love him. And it does affect some women where they don't have any interest in their baby. I feel fortunate that it hasn't affected me that way whatsoever. My heart goes out to the moms that do suffer from that because you aren't a bad person. You just need help is all. Yeah, that was my mom with me. Yeah, actually it was. But the thing about it is, is that we get care weekly leading up to having our baby. And then we have our baby and the baby gets checked like every couple days, every couple weeks. But the mom doesn't get checked again until six weeks postpartum. And that genuinely needs to change. I mean, it absolutely needs to change because... I mean, I've been suffering from this for how long now? And it's only now that they're like, oh, yeah, you are off the charts for postpartum depression. Maybe you want to do something about that. And I'm lucky that I'm a bit educated. And so I kind of knew that I was and I signed myself up for therapy, which I still haven't really done yet. I'm going to do it. And I'm like doing things to try to help myself. Like I started working out just for like mental health. You've been and good at working out though. You've gone for what, nine days now or eight no, days? Uh, eight days, but I haven't done it yet today. I'm going to do it today. But anyways, the thing about having Liz Sandos on is that she's a doula in midwifery. And when you have a midwife, they don't leave you hanging like that. Like my midwife came multiple times during that period. And I just thought to myself, geez, if I didn't have a midwife who told me to literally plop it and stay in bed two weeks later, you know, because I was doing too much, I probably wouldn't have even known that I was doing too much. And I would have just, who knows if I would have healed correctly. I mean, my eyes have been opened to so much with having this home birth on so many different levels. Yeah, there's so many more things that you're aware of, especially being quarantined that you wouldn't normally think of. Yeah, I mean, not even just being quarantined, but having the home birth and having a midwife and understanding the importance of postpartum care for women and the lack thereof when you have a traditional what's become anyways, a traditional birth here in America, which is just go to the hospital, you know, get an epidural. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that either. We could talk about this all day, but it's just like, man, I just wish that there was more care for women, no matter how they want to give birth. But that being said, I picked up some books. I'm trying to add some positivity and laughter into my life. Sometimes I'm like, Doug, will you just make me laugh? <laughs> I'm just so sad and down. I don't want to be. I know that it's silly and really pointless for me to feel like, this way. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, clown, tell me a joke. Yeah. I and mean, actually he always makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, that felt so good to laugh. I can't explain it, but almost when you're in the midst of this, you're just like, please give me some sort of relief. I just want to laugh and I know that I can laugh and I should laugh. But anyways, anybody who's ever struggled with any form of depression, I think you get me, but I'm not going to dwell on that. I picked up these books so that we could be happy. So the first book that I got, it's called 3000 Pick One Questions, Pick This or That. And here we go. <laughs> you ready, Doug? I am ready. As ready as ready can be. I think the rules of the game, by the way, should be we alternate who answers first because it shouldn't always be the same person answering first. Otherwise, I feel like it kind of sways your answers, you know? Uh, yes. All right. First question. Dancing or singing? And why? Dancing, because I am not the greatest singer, but I am one of the greatest dancers. Oh. I, I like the movement. I like going to a beat. And I have a lot more fun dancing than I do singing. I haven't seen you dance like ever. I know. I do it subtly. <laughs> 
Okay. For me, if I got to like choose, I feel like singing is like a superpower. If I got to choose like what I was better at, I mean, I suck at both of them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but if I got to choose which one I'm better at, I would love to be an amazing singer. A Whitney Houston powerhouse voice. I want that. I think if I had the choice of one or the other, there is something so exotic and erotic about a really good singer yeah Um, but dancing i just think that i have a lot more fun dancing and i would want to be a great dancer over singer for sure i think i would want to be a good singer because i feel like it really is powerful like when you can sing oh my god i can get swept away (laughs) next question vintage or modern and why and so I answer this one first now i have to think vintage or modern i feel like they both have (laughs) perks right I love like a vintage farmhouse look, but I love the cleanness and the freshness and the newness of modern. Yeah. I feel like you like more modern than vintage. I like vintage, but not collecting things, not hoarding vintage, but (laughs) there is some nostalgia associated with vintage things and it does bring you a memory. It brings you back to a place, whether it's an object, a smell, a thought, a feeling. I just like what vintage does to your body and to your brain i've never had a vintage smell before what does that smell like you know it's like (laughs) um, the other day i think i smelled ck1 cologne (laughs) that's vintage (laughs) yeah because i used to wear that and it's like a junior in high school i think it was and it just brought me back to walking through my high school hallway it was weird that's so funny funny that you wore a calvin klein fragrance because me too i wore escape Now I just try to use, no joke, like essential oils and stuff. (laughs) I mean, I do still have perfumes, but for the most part, I try to use the essential oils because I feel like I'm trying to green my life. Uh, Next question, video games or board games and why? Video games. You know what, though? It's different. This shouldn't be a category. I know it's a question in the book, but it's not comparable because video games has a different purpose than board games. I like board games in a group setting, and it's something that you and I can do where video games, I just want to be solo. Like I don't play video games with other people. Yeah, I like it when you play video games and I watch Dateline or Netflix on the tablet. And we're together and we're both thoroughly enjoying what we're doing. But I don't have to like play a video game with you and you don't have to watch my crime show. It's perfect. For me, for sure, hands down, boards game. Boards Uh, game? (laughs) Board game. Like no questions asked. I think it's so fun to play a board game. We haven't played a board game in I don't even know how long. I know. Actually, I played Candyland with Gracie. So that's not true. (laughs) She's the worst. She is the worst. She like does not want to listen to directions at all. I got a simple counting game for her where you have to collect hens and just put them in a chicken coop. And she does her own thing. Well, she says, no, 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 no. I do it this way. (laughs) Yeah. She tells me how it goes. I was like, oh, okay. You read the instructions. I just opened up the pack and put everything out. But you know the instructions. Okay, go ahead. Tell me toddlers is exactly why if you have any issues with your toddler just go back one and two episodes ago and we have these experts on because of that but anyways next question dracula or frankenstein definitely dracula i don't even know what dracula is to be honest dracula is a vampire that can also turn into a bat and can fly and he sucks blood okay what's frankenstein frankenstein is just a big overgrown goof of a guy with bolts out of his neck and just grunts and moans and he's a creation that was made from a scientist dracula 
is a smooth mother effer. Oh, okay. And You're really passionate about this. He has a castle and he can fly and he has powers to seduce people. So it's great. Okay. I don't have an opinion because I don't even really know who Dracula or Frankenstein is. Really? I really don't. I mean, I definitely can envision Frankenstein Haven't in my you head. Have you seen like True Blood or vampire no. type? No. Like I, you know what vampires are. I know what a vampire is. Of course yeah. I do. But like I didn't know Dracula was a vampire. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyways. He was the most famous one. Okay, good to know. <laughs> He's the cool cat to yeah, hang out with. He just killed a lot of people, though. Oh, that's, that's good. See, that's why I don't know them, because I like only true crime, not like this fake crime. <laughs> well, he was based on a real person. Really? Yeah, Vlad the Impaler. Wow. Yeah, uh, out of uh, Transylvania. What is Transylvania? It's a country or a city. Yeah. I don't think many people know the history, but I enjoy shows like that where it looks back on the history because he was actually a guy that killed a lot of people. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess this is a history class now. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Educating me. Okay. Candles or incense? Definitely candles. I've never liked the whole incense thing. I never got it. I never got it in college. I never understood why people do it. Candles. I, I mean, I don't really use both, but if I did, citronella candles outside is the best. <laughs> That's so funny. (laughs) I say there should be a third one and it should be a diffuser because essential oils diffuse with water. It's not the game, Jane. But if I got to choose, (laughs) I like essential oils diffused because I literally can pour like half a bottle of lavender in there and just like make our whole house smell (laughs) like lavender. I love it. Fifth Avenue or Rodeo Drive? Neither. Same, except I would say Rodeo Drive because I love LA, but we're not fancy folk. I I wouldn't pay more than... 50 bucks tops for a pair of jeans unless they're like amazing jeans i'm just not paying more than that and like i couldn't imagine spending like a thousand bucks on a pair of jeans no thank you or a pair of shoes i tell you what though a hundred dollar pair of jeans compared to a 30 40 pair of jeans is noticeable it depends though on the brand and the fit so i don't know lucky brand was my jam i had the same pair of jeans for two years straight and they were the most comfortable things ever. And now Lucky Brand is bankrupt. Uh, Jinko jeans are, yes, they have those to. were the jam. Those were the thing. And I remember I saved up my babysitting <laughs> money so I could get myself Jinko jeans. But by the time I got them, other people already had them. So it just seemed like I was copying them and just, <laughs> yeah, wasn't as cool. Private jet or yacht? You answer first. Oh, geez. Well, private jet or yacht. I mean, these are like serious. I want both. Like if I get to choose, can I have both? If I can afford a yacht, I can afford a private jet. And I'm not someone who's going to splurge on real fancy, expensive clothes, but I would go for a yacht or a private jet. Yeah, I would. Well, you have to pick one or the other. That's the game. You're changing the rules of your own game. Okay. So I would say yacht because you could actually like live on it as you're traveling maybe, but then I'm like private jet gets you there way faster. Maybe private jet actually. Yeah. I'm choosing private jet all the time. Why private jet? Because there's so many other variables with a yacht. Like one, you have to bring people. It costs a lot of money. (laughs) Um, Everybody just assumes that they'll be able to get on your yacht and party and everything, which is great. But, you know, you think of storms, hurricanes, weather, gas, everything, when you can just hop on a plane and go anywhere that you want. Yeah. Okay. Chess or checkers? Definitely chess. I love chess. I don't play either. Does that make me some sort of way? <laughs> no. I don't, I don't play chess or checkers. I wouldn't even know which one I would prefer because I don't even know how to play either one of them. We should get those board games here then. Yeah. Snow cones or popsicles? Popsicles for sure. Snow cones have way too much sugar and they <laughs> always ruin your hands because they never have a good cup to be placed in. That's a good point. 
I would go for popsicle, like an all natural kind of popsicle <laughs> with no all added natural. sugar. My life is green, diffuser <laughs> and lavender. Well, I'm just trying to be healthy over here. Oh, there's our son. <laughs> I think that indicates that we should probably get our guest on. Yeah, we probably should. One more question. You want to grab Hendrix? Sure. M&Ms or Skittles? And I answer this one first. 100% no questions asked M&Ms. And can I just answer for you? Because I feel like I know your answer. Go ahead. Yours is Skittles. <clears throat> what? Nope. I don't like chocolate, but I would prefer peanut M&Ms over Skittles any day. If it had to be just plain M&Ms or plain Skittles. I think I would still choose M&Ms. That's shocking to me. But yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear, but Hendrix is... <laughs> Just waking up just in time for us to pull out the interview and put Liz Sandoz on. We're so excited for this interview, guys. But before we put Liz on, Douglas, do you want to share about this? Yeah. So something that has affected me a bit is thinning of my hair. Every male in my family, I'm talking about my father and my grandparents, are completely bald. And I'm very aware of my hair thinning. Something that Jamie has started to complain about a little bit, and maybe it is the hormones and stress and everything, but she has complained a little bit about her thinning hair. So I did some research and I did find a product, Nutrafol, which actually supports healthy hair growth from within. And what I mean by that, they target get five root causes of thinning. So stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. But to fit with Jamie's lifestyle, it is 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And it's super easy to go to their website, Nutrafol.com, take their hair wellness quiz, and they give you personal product recommendations because everybody's hair is unique. Everybody's hormone levels are unique. You know, Nutrafol does work for males, but it also offers two targeted formulas for women. And specifically with women, Nutrafol was shown to improve hair growth and thickness with way less shedding through all stages of life. So if you are someone that has thinning hair or just wants to stay protected or kind of prevent any hair loss as you get older, definitely check out the Nutrafol website. They have more than 1,500 top doctors that recommend Nutrafol as an effective, high-quality solution for healthier hair. And you can grow thicker, healthier hair. And if you go to Nutrafol.com, use the promo code HMCP, and new customers will get 20% off. This is the highest percentage that they've offered as far as a discount anywhere. So Nutrafol.com, use the promo code HMCP, plus free shipping on every order. So 20% off at Nutrafol.com, that's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code HMCP. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Enough about hair loss. I think it's time to bring on Liz. Okay, so we have Elizabeth Sandoz on. She's a birth doula. She's a podcaster of Miraculous Mamas, a wife, and she was actually a former contestant on The Bachelor, and she's our guest today. 
Liz's podcast is all about empowering women through education and storytelling. She aims to bring light to the trying to conceive community and also different pregnancy journeys in general. And she also is currently pregnant herself and she's due in just a few weeks. And I first met Liz when I was on her first podcast, Babes and Babies with Carly Waddell and Jade Roper from The Bachelor. Hey, Liz, welcome. Congratulations on your pregnancy. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So I know that so many people are dying to know whatever happened to your first podcast, Babes and Babies, with Jade and Carly. Yeah, I mean, we had a great first year podcasting together. And it's hard for three people to be podcasting from three different locations. And we kind of just had different visions for it. And they got an opportunity to go with another podcasting company. And I decided to stay with the production company I was with and kind of just focus more on the educational side of things, because that's what I'm truly, truly passionate about. Totally makes sense. And I mean, I can't have you on and not ask you what it was like to be on The Bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) I was on The Bachelor when I was 23. I was a little baby and way too young. I mean, I was so serious about finding love and getting (laughs) married. And I didn't ever watch the show. So like now looking back, I'm like, girl, why didn't you just enjoy yourself while you were there? But what was your experience like? I know you were on with Nick. I don't even know how to say his last name. Is it Vial? Vial? I don't know. (laughs) Nick. (laughs) There's a strange story behind there, right? You had hooked up with him at one point before you got on the show. Yeah. So my experience actually was pretty traumatic because, yeah, we had met before. And yes, we hooked up. And I just, I don't know. I was in a different place in my life. And then... It's kind of funny because I had met my husband and I really liked him and he didn't want to be in a relationship. So that's when I kind of had met Nick or whatever. And then the next year, my husband and I like dated off and on a little bit. And then we ended up ending it. And I got my heart broken and I was like, you know what? Life's really short. I feel ready. I'm not going to let heartbreak hold me back. And I really feel ready to like meet someone and settle down. And I didn't know at the time, but the producers basically used me for a story. But they were telling me something because there was a storyline between Nick and I. And they needed a storyline, but they were telling me different things, you know? So they're telling me like, oh, we actually think you guys have so much in common. You would be a really good match. We feel like you're going to make it really far. And the night before the limo night, I had an emotional breakdown in my hotel room. And I felt turmoil in my heart because I knew things that were going to come out and I knew it wasn't going to be my version of the story. And I just felt kind of like convicted. And I come from a small town Christian family. I knew what it was going to look like. And I was crying in my hotel room and one of the main producers came in and just like reassured me that that wasn't going to be my story there. And then limo night happens and then they pull me aside and that's all they're asking is about that. And so I'm already like, wait a second, I thought it wasn't going to be about this. And they just completely manipulated the situation and I was ready to go home when I did. I saw the connection happening with other people and it just was not there at all. And of course, they didn't air me saying that to him either. They just made it look like he sent me home. And then when I left, I was just like, what the heck just happened? That was the craziest whirlwind that I went through for like a couple weeks because it was very short lived. And I don't know, it was pretty traumatic because I knew how it was going to come off. And I figured out they were basically just using me for a story And then when it aired, they dubbed words in I never even said. They made it look like I had conversations that never happened. And I was just like, okay, I need to be at peace with who I am and be like, okay, well, that was a crazy experience and you can just move on now. 
Yeah. Would you say that that experience made you kind of think about your husband a bit more or at the time, you know, you guys had broken up, but would you say that it kind of helped get you back in the mindset of finding some stability? Yeah. Well, actually he's the one who reached out to me after I told him I was going on and I told him when I got sent home, but we had been friends for a few months, like not really friends, like every once in a while, like, Hey, how are you doing? Hope you're doing well, whatever. But after that, then he was the one that I think kind of realized that he wanted to pursue a relationship. And we lived far apart. So I was in Vegas. He was in Chicago. And to him, long distance is this impossible thing, which it is yeah. really hard and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. But after I was on the show, I don't know, we had to work through a lot. We had to work through our pasts and we had to work through figuring out exactly what we wanted. And I feel like it did deepen our relationship and it made us both realize what we really wanted. And then a few months later, we started dating officially. And then six months later, I moved out to Chicago. Aw, I'm a big believer that when one door closes, hence The Bachelor, like closing on you, another door opens and you're with the person that you should be with. I don't think Nick's had a whole lot of luck. Last I knew, he was still searching. So you're with a guy who seems a little bit more ready for the commitment and whatnot. And obviously you're happy because you're pregnant. Yeah, for sure. I just actually quickly want to say that when you say they dubbed words in, that happened to me as well. Like they made it look like I had a fight with a different girl that I was saying that she ruined my connection. And I'm like, I never said that. I don't even know how they got those words and put them together. I mean, I know it's so tough. It's like if you're the winner, I guess, or like if they know that you're going to be like maybe the next bachelorette or like up in the running for it, they really like coddle you. And I don't know, they're so nice to you and whatnot. And the minute that they know that you're going to be sent home or they're done with your storyline, I don't know. It's almost like you're just thrown out with the trash and they're just moving on. At least that was my experience. For sure. I'm obviously like super glad I left when I did. A part of me regrets going on the show at all, but I don't regret leaving when I did. I've never been like, oh, I wish I would have stayed longer. or I wish something would have worked out differently because like you said, I feel like everything worked out. I mean, my husband's amazing and I love him so much and I couldn't imagine my life being any different than it is right now. Yeah. And so when one door closes, another opens and it was a better door for you. For sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And kind of switching gears to present day. And I know during the pandemic, a lot of people have had to change up their birth plan and everything. What was your birth plan before the pandemic? Has it changed at all? And kind of what are you doing now? Yeah. So I work as a birth doula and I'm actually fortunate enough to be employed by a midwife group here that works out of a hospital. And up until I got employed there last year, I had never seen birthing in a hospital be this way. I've been at a lot of hospital births and watching these midwives work and just be very evidence-based and letting birth run its course has been amazing. And I never thought I would birth in a hospital based on past experiences with clients. Right. Um, when I got pregnant, my husband and I had talked a lot about it because the whole home birthing thing to him is like completely foreign. Whereas to me, my sister had all four of her kids at home. My cousins birthed at home. You know, I've been a doula for births at home. So it's a normal thing to me, to him, like his sister-in-law almost died giving birth and had to have a blood transfusion, like emergency C-section. So to him, he has this like trauma surrounding birth. So we had decided that we would have the first in the hospital just so he could see how everything goes and do the rest at home. And once everything happened, we did start to question that. And the hospital I worked at had at the time confirmed COVID cases. 
So we actually got a recommendation to a home birth midwife here. We interviewed her and she was great. We both really liked her. But for some reason, I just, which is weird because he finally was like, okay, if you really want to birth at home, we can for this one. But I'm like, I love the midwives that I work with so much and I trust them. And I'm just hoping things are different in August. And so we decided to stick with our plan from the beginning and to birth at the hospital that I'm at because they also have birthing tubs available. The midwives are awesome. They'll put LED lights in your room, start a diffuser, have the tub going, have your birth balls there. That's they amazing. They make it as homey as possible for you. So that's our current plan is to do it there. I think there's absolutely no shame in whether you have your baby in the hospital with an epidural and all the pain relief medication. And speaking of that, like I didn't even think a doula was necessary. So I'm sure you know I'm a labor and delivery nurse, like a trained Uh labor and delivery nurse. And so for me, the first thing I would always say to a patient who was like, I don't know if I want an epidural or not. I think maybe I'm going to try to do it naturally, but I'm not sure. I would always say like, listen, girl, like you get the baby at the end either way. If it's getting really, really intense, you know, sometimes it takes the anesthesiologist some time to get to you. So if you're deciding that you want it, let me know as soon as possible, because it's not like he comes in and you immediately get pain relief. Like you're going to have to also sit still, very still for the procedures. And like, you can't control when contractions come. I mean, I had never had a baby before, but I could see that it was very, very painful to have these contractions. And so I was always like a big advocate for an epidural. And I had an epidural with my daughter. I loved it. It was amazing. It took the pain right away. And I had a very calm, smooth delivery with her. And then obviously everything changed when I had a home birth. And now I know how important a doula is (laughs) because... (laughs) Especially for when you opt to have either a home birth or an unmedicated birth, a doula is everything. I mean, I had a very short labor and I had an amazing midwife, but there's such a difference between a midwife and a doula. And I was kind of hoping that you could explain that since obviously you work closely with midwives and you are a doula. Can you explain what the difference is between a midwife and a doula and why doulas are so important? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm an advocate for epidurals as well, and I feel like I've been at births where they've been absolutely necessary. And I think however a woman chooses to birth is fine as long as she's making an educated, informed decision, like doing your research, finding a really good midwife, finding a really good hospital or provider that you love that's in line with what you believe in. And if you're making an informed decision, I think that's important versus just, I have to do it this way. Yes. I think that is the best advice ever, like to have an informed, educated decision on your birth plan rather than have one based on feelings or based on what's popular or what your mother-in-law thinks you should do or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. So midwives are medically trained. So there's CM, so certified midwives, which aren't able to practice actually in a lot of the states because- They didn't have to like go to college or be a nurse first. They took a certification program, a midwifery program. Most of them are really, really awesome and are still highly qualified. But like in Illinois, you have to be a CNM, so a certified nurse midwife. So all the midwives I worked with became nurses first and then received their master's of midwifery. And so they're very highly educated. Most of them have had eight plus years of schooling and training. And so midwives basically do all the medical side, right? So they provide care to women at all journeys of life, not just during prenatal and labor and delivery, but even just performing your yearly exams and 
helping you through menopause, whatever it is. Midwives are usually more trained in like evidence-based and are really big on informed consent. And they know all the medical side of things. So if you have a midwife with you for your birth, she's going to be the one to check how dilated you are or what you're a face to and be reading like what's coming up on the screen, the baby's heart rate, making sure that there's good variation and stuff like that, along with your nurses if you're at the hospital. Right. A doula, we provide physical and emotional comfort to the laboring person throughout labor and delivery. We also provide informational support. So partnering with you before the labor is awesome because, so I've studied labor. I'm like a labor expert and I have tons of information to help you make the best informed decision for yourself. And then my job is to support you in that. So during labor, let's say, There's a change of events because there usually is. You can make a birth plan, but I like to call it a birth wish. Yeah, that's a great idea. How you think it's going to. So true. Uh, But the whole point for me of doing a birth plan is to get educated. Why would I want to do delayed cord clamping? Why is skin to skin so important? Why is it important to ask my provider if I'm able to deliver in different positions or use hydrotherapy? So it's for you to do the research so that you get the information and the education so you feel empowered in making decisions in your birth. And a doula is there to help you. So like, let's say you don't want a medicated birth at all, but we hit a wall. And maybe an epidural is going to help you relax, help everything open, and actually be the best decision for you right now. I'm there to help you talk through that. You know, because doctors a lot of times will come in and be like, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And they're limited on time. They're in and out of your room. Your nurses have several patients as well. Whereas a doula, you're my only client, you're my only patient. And I'm there emotionally supporting you and physically helping you with different laboring positions and techniques to keep your baby rotating and in the right position and helping you get to that end goal of meeting your baby. But when it comes to making decisions that you didn't think you'd be making, I'm there to help you for that too, to be like, okay, what are the pros? What are the cons? What are the side effects? Like, what's the worst that can happen, but the best thing that can happen? And then how are you going to be okay with this decision? I need you to know that even though you wanted an unmedicated birth, you're still so strong. You're still birthing your baby. You're still a badass woman. So I'm there to also help you emotionally be okay with decisions that you might have to be making in the moment. And the big difference too is I don't do anything medical. I won't even take your blood pressure. I don't check your vitals. I will never check your cervix. I (laughs) am not medically trained. I'm trained to know the stages and the signs of labor, how to work through different things with it and the education behind it. Whereas your midwife is obviously going to be making sure that you are medically healthy during your labor and delivery. Yeah, that's a great explanation. Thank you so much because that really helped. I think there's a lot of people who have never even heard of doulas, let alone like know what a doula does. For me, my experience was I was always just like, I'm going to get an epidural. I'll be fine. Like Once you have an epidural, I felt like, you know, my husband could leave. I'm like, I got this. (laughs) Like I'm not in pain anymore. But then having a home birth, oh my goodness. And as you can probably hear Hendrix in the background, we podcast with him. But anyways, for my home birth, I remember even you had reached out to me and I was like, well, I wouldn't know even how to have you be my doula because like you're not here. And I was trying to keep the number of people in our house limited, of course. So I was like, no, I don't need a doula. But I was like, thank you so much for reaching out. I mean, you were so kind to reach out to me. And then I, you know, I was in the midst of like this excruciating pain, of course, with contractions and the midwife's assistant is, well, she was a trained doula first. And oh, nice. Yeah. And so 
I can't even tell you how comforting this woman was. Like, my labor was so fast. I mean, it was like maybe four hours long. It was like basically like started time of my contractions at 1219. The baby came at 337. It was that fast. It was crazy fast. And so I didn't even know how to contain myself. Like I was just in so much pain, like, and they were coming, like they weren't even giving me breaks. It was just like contraction after contraction. And she was so amazing. This woman, like her name was Simone and she literally fanned me. She put a cold cloth on me. I mean, she just, she really helped comfort me and like helped me realize that yes, I can get through this and you know, you're doing everything right. Cause I was really concerned if I wasn't breathing like enough for the baby and like all these, you know, random things that you think about, I guess like ignorance is bliss. I wish I didn't know so much because then I could have probably just focused on, you know, myself, but I was like, am I breathing right? Am I doing this right? And she was so, so comforting. And I was like, that's why a doula is so important. Like (laughs) now I get it. Yeah, well, a doula originally, I think it's like in its original Greek or Latin form, means woman's servant. Like, we're literally there to serve you. Kind of like what every husband should be called then? (laughs) Or what every husband should do, but they don't always do. That's just why you have to hire yourself a doula. (laughs) Yes, for sure. I mean, every birth that I'm at, the partners are usually always so supportive and running around and getting things and helping out in, in it too. But I do feel like it definitely takes a team and it's nice to have somebody there who knows what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. And so speaking of that, I don't think there was any way for me to really get prepared for a home birth because I hadn't seen one, you know, you could watch videos and things, but it's nothing like when you're actually right there. And because you have done and went through a lot of home births and through the midwife for any guys that are listening or even women, what do you think the spouse's role should be? Oh man, that's a great question. I think the spouse's role is just to kind of be there. I also feel like it's important if it's a really long labor, like you need to take care of yourself too. Like definitely make sure you're eating and drinking and stuff, but just to be there because as much as she may be going through pain, she's still going to turn to you and you're kind of that rock, right? And I had a dad once who was like about ready to pass out at this birth. And I like grabbed him. I'm like, look at her. Look, cause she was like looking at him and he kept looking away cause he couldn't see her in pain. And I was like, look at your wife right now. She needs you to look at her. And then he did. And she locked eyes with him and he told her like, you could do this. And then you could just see her get a renewed strength. And I think that that kind of sums up like the role of the support person is just being there for your partner and encouraging them and letting them know how strong they are and how capable they are. Because birth is not an easy thing <laughs> at all. And you're the person that knows your partner better than anyone. For sure. And so you have to know to not take things personally either. If they're like, get out of my face right now. <laughs> <or laughs> Jamie prepared me for that. But, you know, just being there and being the rock that you are for them, I think is it's kind of the best way that partners can support the person in labor. I totally agree. I like never knew how much I needed my husband because I'm a strong, independent woman. There's no doubt about <laughs> it. But man, when I was in labor, all I wanted was my husband, like, you know, in the worst way. Like I just needed him by my side. If he left, I'm like, Doug, Doug. <laughs> He's like, geez, I just went for, you know, a second out the room. But anyways, I kind of want to switch gears because I know that a lot of our listeners have struggled either trying to conceive or, you know, going through a loss. And I know that you had a chemical pregnancy in the past, and I know how hard that can be. 
And honestly, a lot of mamas ask me how I was able to limit anxiety once I was pregnant again with my rainbow baby, because it's honestly, it's the hardest thing to do. And so I think we all have different ways to cope with that type of anxiety. And I was going to ask you, how have you been, you know, this is considered your rainbow baby, you know, and limiting that anxiety during your pregnancy? Like, what are some things that you have done? Yeah, well, I feel like at the beginning, I'm not a super anxious person. So I didn't feel like I got too anxious. But I guess fear and anxiety are pretty close. It was just I completely kind of numbed and detached myself from the pregnancy experience. Yeah. And I didn't let myself be excited about this pregnancy for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And that was hard because I'm like, you know, we wanted to have a baby and now I'm pregnant and I should be excited and I'm not because what if something happens? I got so excited the first time and we told our families and then it was kind of a traumatic experience. I ended up in the emergency room and then it was gone, you know, and I felt stupid for being so excited over something that I only had for a couple of weeks. And I know that's like not the right feeling, but that's like my triggers is I hate feeling stupid and I just felt stupid for like getting excited over this. I feel like there is no right feelings and I'm sure other women can relate to that feeling as well. Yeah, for sure. And so I feel like with this pregnancy, it honestly wasn't until probably the last couple of weeks that I've actually started to feel a little more bonded with the baby. So I feel like I kind of numbed and detached from the pregnancy and just like didn't let myself get too excited And then probably by 20 weeks, I'm like, okay, like, this is fun. You know, I'm excited. But it was just kind of blah. (laughs) And then in the last couple weeks, I've bonded more. But something that I've been doing, I feel like that's really helped me is just getting back into like my daily devotions and listening to worship music. And I've been putting together like a laboring playlist and envisioning these songs playing while I'm in labor. So just really trying to also recognize that since I am pregnant, like, I'm God's vessel for carrying this baby, whether it's for like the rest of my pregnancy and then I birth it and get a raise it or whatever it is. Like he chose me to have this experience and kind of feeling more healed from the chemical pregnancy and finally getting really excited about having this baby. Yeah, for me, it wasn't until I started to see like a bump and actually see some movement in Jamie's Mm -hmm. belly, you know, for just what we had gone through. Absolutely. And so I'm just dying to know, like, what do you have planned for yourself in the last couple months before your sweet baby comes to be in your arms? (laughs) Yeah, the thing I'm most excited about is I am working with an illustrator right now creating a really easy to comprehend guide for the day of delivery for the birthing partner. And it's something that I hope people really take advantage of. It's so easy to flip through. So it's not this giant book you have to take with you. It's like color coded with tabs. It's less than 50 pages and it's illustrated and colorful and which is and perfect. It talks about like what's normal. So when she's throwing up in labor, you know that that's normal. Letting people know like what's normal. It'll have some positions in there and then ways to like emotionally and physically support your partner during labor. And yeah, I'm hoping to get it done in the next couple of months. I've been working on it every day. So I'm really excited about that. That's amazing. And honestly, I think that it's interesting that you're making this because I don't think there's anything like that out there. And it is so necessary because you're right. Like when a woman is in labor, it's normal for her to get nauseous and it can be scary to like their partner or to anybody in the room. And it can sometimes even be scary to the woman, but it's very, very normal. So I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited 
excited. I can't wait. I'm cheering you on. I'm going to be following you on Instagram hardcore. Speaking of like your Instagram and everything, where can everyone find you? Obviously, you have Miraculous Mamas, the podcast, which is such a great informative podcast. But you're also on Instagram. And where else can people find you if they want to hear some more from you? Yeah, a lot of the things are just Miraculous Mamas. So there's the Miraculous Mamas Instagram, MiraculousMamas.com. It's my pregnancy blog and parenthood blogs. And then the podcast and then my personal Instagram is E Sandoz. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for being super pregnant and taking the time out to (laughs) come on our podcast and share with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys. Love, love, love having Liz on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised at their decision to have a hospital birth for their first one, but I totally get it. And it just goes to show that it's a weird time that we're living in, but you know, do your research and make sure you're comfortable with what. And honestly, it doesn't matter whether you have a hospital home, like wherever you have your baby, it doesn't matter as long as mom and baby are safe and healthy. As you can hear, Hendrix is again in the background. So we're going to let you guys go. We have an amazing guest on again next week. We actually have two on. It's the Earl family. And we are so excited to chat with them. They are so, so incredibly sweet. So they're like YouTubers. They've grown a huge following. And their story is honestly, it's very, very inspirational. So I'm so excited to have them on next week. Yeah. They're an amazing couple that as soon as they got together, the husband was like, um, I want to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. They're really fun to watch. They were really fun to talk to. So definitely stay tuned. And thank you again for another great episode, in my opinion. But to stay connected to us, definitely keep in touch through Instagram at Hot Marriage Cool Parents or at Jamie and Otis or at Doug Hayner. We love hearing from you. So five-star reviews. We love giving you a shout out and we love you and wash your hands and your face and wash your hands and wash your hands. And cover your face with a mask. Yeah. And don't cough on anybody, okay? How about that? (laughs) All right, guys. Have a great week. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.